Okay, so we're going to jump into our scent series. We're actually on week seven. The plan that could change, please write this down in pencil because there's no promises here. But the plan is to finish this series up next week. However, um, we'll see what happens. But I, I kind of have basically eight messages kind of batting around. And so this is probably week seven. So we'll probably finish up next week. And then we'll be looking at a new series after that. But we've been looking through... As you know, the book of Acts, we have been kind of looking through the beginning of it. We're not going to get too deep into it, so please don't worry. I know some of you are like, man, we're just in Acts 5. There's a lot of chapters in Acts. We're going to be here till this time next year. We're not. We're not going to do that, but we are going to finish it up hopefully next week or maybe in the week after that, depending on how God moves. But we've been talking about the, the early church. We called that, and, and the name that it was given at that time was the ecclesia. It's the sent ones. It's the ones that are, are not basically stagnant. We don't sit. We don't wait. We're not a kircha, which we talked about way back in week one, which is this idea of a holy place and a holy um, a building, but we're actually the church. It's, the church isn't a building it's just a building we are the church we are the ones that go out and make a difference in the world and 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 it's been a a, a great journey but we're going to talk about something that that is a big part of this that typically gets left out okay because, because this isn't one of those easy messages to hear. If this is maybe your first Sunday with us, um, you picked a doozy. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's going to be a, something that we talk about that is just as biblical as John 3.16, but something that sometimes is a little harder to, to understand, it's a little harder to accept, but it's something that we need to get because if we're going to be the ecclesia, this is a major part of this. If we leave this out, it's like, you know, you ever, you ever did this as a kid? You know, you put your dominoes up, you know? I used to love to do this. When I was a kid, they actually had, you could pay money for a set that basically you just, they were all, all connected plastic-wise, and you just did this, and they all went forward, and then you could lay them down gently, and then make this elaborate um, domino thing, and, and you'd knock them all down. With, without this part of it, the domino doesn't keep going. And a lot of people, when we look at this concept of, of giving and generosity, we desire so desperately to be the ecclesia. We desire to be the church as it was at the very beginning, but we're not willing to do all the steps. We're not always willing to let every domino fall to get there. This is a big domino. And I don't want you to be discouraged this isn't a message about oh how could you or why aren't you or, or there's something wrong with you I want you to walk out of here encouraged because God here is giving us a pattern he's giving us a plan and I don't know about you I love plans that's why I hate Ikea they don't give you plans they give you pictures and say now build a bed I can't do that well God, in his infinite wisdom, says, listen, I want you to be this. This is what I've called my church to be. Here are step-by-step -step plans to help you accomplish all that I have for you. If we leave this step out, bottom line, we will not be the church God has called us to be, and we will not be as effective as he's asked us to be. And this whole thing is so important, and we need to get it. So let's look at this together. Let's spend some time looking at this idea and see how the ecclesia in the New Testament did it. And so we're going to see that. First, how did the ecclesia in Acts look in regards to generosity? How did they look in regards to generosity? Let's look at Acts 4. In Acts 4, starting with verse number 31, 35, we're going to kind of see this. Now, this is a pattern, but it's not necessarily we have to do it this way. This is what God called them to do, but the principles are what we need to understand. Okay? So let's look at this together. Acts 4, 31 through 35. After this prayer... The meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Okay, I've asked you to do this a lot in this series, okay? If you have highlighter, you underline stuff in your Bible or on your phone, highlight that word, what, or those words, what they owned was not their own. We're going to get back to that at the very, very end, okay? So, let's continue. Verse number 33. So they shared everything they had. 
The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. All. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Let's, let's pray. Father, we love you and we do thank you for this time. And Father, when we talk about money or talk about giving, a lot of times, can we, God, if we're just being honest, we, we can very easily put up a kind of a, a wall. And Father, that is not what this is about. Father, you've called us to not be a people that, that hoard, but a people that give. And Father, we'll get into that more, but God, I pray that you would open our hearts to this, that we would not allow the enemy or anything to keep us from hearing your word. It's not my word, it's your word. And to understand it, we love you. You're so good. You are so faithful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this scripture, we see, we see some different things. And listen, we're going to go back to it later, okay? This is kind of our text. This is kind of our, our beginning point, And we're going to kind of circle back around and get back to this. But really what's happened, and this is in your notes. You want me to break it down, make it simple and easy to see what the principle is in these verses. It's quite simple. It's in your notes. The gospel had loosened their grip on stuff and tightened their grip on each other. Okay? When we talk about generosity, when we talk about giving, when we talk about understanding that God has given us so much, it helps us to understand how much we should give. One of the things out there in our wood that we talk about is this idea that God has given extravagantly, so therefore we should give extravagantly. We should be a people that are known, not as people that hold things, but things that give things away. And you say, well, Aaron, how do you do that? How do we get there? It's real simple. We have to stop holding on to the stuff and start grabbing a hold of something else. That's usually the problem when it comes to giving and generosity in any area of life. We talk about what we should grab a hold of, but we forget to mention what we should let go of. And there's importance in that. Okay, so a lot of times what we have to get is it's, it's, it's one thing to say, I, I need to grab more on this. I need to be more of a generous person in my time and my treasure and my, my abilities and my talents. But I also, to do that the way God wants us to, you're going to have to loosen your grip on something else. And it's typically stuff. It's typically what you feel you have ownership over. What they understood, what they began to get there in Acts 4 was that they had to begin to let go of some things to grab a hold of something better. Something what God really wanted them to do. And here's what's great about that. We don't just see that in these people. We see it as a perfect example in Jesus. Jesus was the perfect model of this in our lives. So here's what this means. If you tell me you want to be like Jesus, this is what Jesus modeled for you and for me. Let's look at it. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Philippians 2, 5 and 8 says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ has. Paul here is not putting this as an optional thing. This is what Jesus did. This was the attitude he had. And therefore, we must have the same. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, something to grab a hold of, something to basically grip or, or, or those sort of things. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave them. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus modeled this for you and me. He showed us what this should look like. Look, it's in your notes. Jesus loosened his grip on his divine privileges and he tightened his grip on us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you want to talk about a bad exchange? I mean, God gives up his divine privileges. And what's he get in return? You and me. You and me. And yet God says, listen, this is the model. This is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to be. To be the ecclesia. you got to let go of some things and grab a hold of some other things. 
Jesus was the perfect model for us in that. He said, listen, I'm going to let go of some things because I have something more important that I want to cling to, that I want to grab a hold of. And he allowed that to change literally everything. Everything. Because he was willing to do that. I heard a pastor friend of mine once say this, and I thought it was interesting, so I put it in here in your notes. And I know the notes are a little wordy. Poor Linda had a hard time getting everything to fit, so great job, Linda. But, but as we kind of move a little bit, I thought this was so good and so interesting. It says, when it comes to generosity, some people are like rocks, some are like sponges, and some are like honeycombs. Some are like rocks, some are like sponges, and some are like honeycombs. Let me explain. For some of us, we're like a rock. It's real hard to get anything out of us. You know what I mean? You know, and when it comes, when there is something that comes, it usually comes with a hammer, and it comes with sparks, and it comes with boom, and it's not easy. Okay? So some of us are like that. Some of us, when it comes to generosity, we're like rocks. Some of us are like sponges. There's stuff there, and stuff will come out but there really has to be a pretty major squeezing process to get them there. We have to really, God has to really grab us and squeeze tight. And there's stuff that comes, thank goodness, but, but there's a squeezing that takes place. And, you know, I don't know about you, but squeezing isn't always comfortable, but it happens. And the final one is a honeycomb. And a honeycomb is people that literally, and I don't know if you've met people like this. I know I have. I know I'm not always this way and I want to be more this way. They literally drip generosity you've seen people like that that that's what God has called us to be and so it's a simple question are you a rock are you a sponge are you a honeycomb I don't know about you I'm probably hopefully somewhere moving towards honeycomb (laughs) it's hard though and I know it's not easy right now listen I'm not stupid okay I I I turn the, the news on too I go to the gas pump too I know that this is probably like when it comes to timing, like this doesn't make sense to me. It's like, yeah, let's talk about giving. Hooray, hurrah. We just spent $150 to fill up our gas tank. I get it. But here's the thing. Here's what we have to understand. God's word is eternal. God's word is true. And circumstances, no matter how easy or difficult they may be, does not change that. It's our anchor. So I know it's hard. I know you're going, Aaron, really? You're talking about generosity right now? I, I, I went to the store and I bought milk. and I, It's hard. I get it. But here's what's awesome about that. If I know it and you know it, how much more does God know it? How much more does he say in those, test me? How much more does he say, listen, I promised you I would meet all of your needs. You really think that God looks at it and goes, oh, well... Well, I can't do it now. He's going to do it. So I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But I know what God's word says. And he's called us to be honeycombs. And here's the thing. This hasn't changed, guys. This isn't a new concept or a new idea. The bottom line is, as we look in the book of Acts, as we move into verse number five, we're going to see that the first internal conflict and discipline in the book of Acts is centered around the topic of generosity and money. It's there. Nothing new under the sun, is there? And so here we go. Things have been going good. Things have been going great. There's been thousands of people that have come and experienced God's love and His salvation. And now we get to chapter 5. Let's look at it together. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Here's what it says. But, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. Okay? Now, Let's, let's, let's give a little more detail, a little more context here, okay? It was not required that they did this, okay? There is nowhere in Scripture where it says they had to sell land and had to give the money away. This was things that they were doing on their own volition and their own desire and their own accord, okay? So this is that understanding, okay? So they did that, okay? He brought part of the money to the apostles... Claiming it was the full amount, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Okay, let's stop again. Once again, they didn't have to sell the land. Number two, they did not have to give all of the money. That was not required of them. They didn't have to do that. 
The problem comes because they were lying about it. Okay, you're going to see in a minute. Okay, here's the thing. Ananias and Sapphira were willing to lie and deceive for the sake of reputation. They were doing what they were doing, not because they understood what generosity was, and we're going to see in more depth here in a minute, so I don't want to get too much into this. But they came and they just brought part of the money. Now, again, that wasn't the problem. The problem was they said it was all of the money. We're going to see why that matters so much in a second. But let's continue on with the story. Acts 5, 3 through 4. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Listen, man, these are some strong words, folks. These are some strong stuff. Okay? We need to understand something when it comes to money. Jesus talked a lot about money because he understood something that money can do. You ready? It's right there. It can fill your heart with some bad stuff. So he said, why did you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now listen to what he says in verse 4. This is important. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. The issue here was not that Ananias and Sapphira kept some of the money. They could have done whatever they wanted with it. After selling it, let's continue, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do something, a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Those are some strong words, folks. I mean, let's just be honest. Those are some strong words. And here, can I be honest with you? Listen, I do my very, very best to never see what you give. I have to sometimes see some things, but I try, I go out of my way to not see what you give. You know why? Because it's not about lying to me. It's not about being obedient to what I've said. It's about being obedient to what God has commanded us to do and asked us to do. And so he says, listen, it doesn't matter that you didn't give it all. What matters is that to make yourself look good and to make pride come in and to show everybody how quote-unquote spiritual you are, you gave for the wrong reason. Isn't that interesting? God, listen, can, can I, how do I explain this in a way that makes sense? Where you don't go, okay, I don't have to give. God doesn't need your money. Scripture tells us God's got a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. That is basically Old Testament scripture for basically saying, God's got it. He's got the funds. This is a hard issue, folks. This is about understanding something deeper. So he looks at him and says, listen, listen, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. It's getting heavy. I know it's getting heavy. But let's continue. Acts 5, 5 through 6. The story continues. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Yes, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Terrified would be a good term here. Then some young men got up, wrapped him out in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Now look, I was, I was studying this and looking at this and I was trying to, 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 to glean from some people that were a lot more, a lot more smart <laughs> than I can't speak correctly. Uh, much more, have much more depth and understanding. And, and you know what we all came up with? And this is me just reading in my own mind. We're not quite sure why God responded so harshly here. There were a lot of, well, maybe this, maybe that. I, I don't know. We don't know. But God definitely responds immediately and harshly. It's pretty amazing. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I don't want us to get so wrapped up in the response of God that we miss why at least God responded the way he did. It's in your notes. It is important to note here that the issue was not money or the amount. It was an issue of the heart. It was an issue of the heart. 
We've got to get this, folks. Because here's the thing. Listen, hear me here. You could give a million dollars and your heart could be wrong. And God is not impressed with your million dollars. He's impressed with your heart. Remember the widow? She gave pennies. And we're, we're actually in this moment. I'm actually, and this is a cool thing to think about. I'm actually proving the words of Jesus because he said this woman would be remembered because she gave pennies. Why? Because her heart was good. Generosity, hear me, is never, never, ever a matter of the amount or the time or the talent. It's a matter of the heart. It's always a matter of the heart. Let's finish the story. Doesn't end well, I'll just be honest with you. Acts 7 11. About three hours later, his wife came in. Okay? Now, what you, this is one of those moments where it's real easy if you've heard this story before, you, you know what's going to happen. But listen, let's try, to, let's try to go there for a minute. Okay? Let's go into this room. Okay? You have just witnessed a guy who lied to the Holy Spirit and fell over dead. Okay? His wife is about ready to enter the, the scene. And I can't, can you imagine the tenseness of this moment? And this moment is like, okay, how's this going to play out? So about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Okay, I don't know about you, but at this moment, I'm probably going, please tell the truth. Please tell the truth. You know, especially like if you were the guy that had to go bury the, the person, you know, it's like, please do, do a good thing here. Okay, so she has a choice in this moment. She has a choice. Okay, yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this. The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Verse number 10. Instantly she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Man. Listen. I think what we can deduce from this is real simple. This matters to God a lot. Our hearts and our giving and our generosity, it's important to Him. Listen, if it's important to Him, we should probably learn about it. We should probably study it. We should probably understand those things. And so what I want to do to kind of bring us down in, in kind of for a, a landing here in the next few moments is I want to look at what can these passages and acts that we've looked at really teach us about generosity, okay? What can we learn from this? How can we go, okay, how can I measure this, okay? Because it's important that we have that in our lives. So here's some things. We're going to look at some evidences that we can learn from these things. There's going to be several of them. We're going to go through them fairly quickly, but stay with me. Number one, generosity is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. Look at Acts 4, 31a. It says this, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of them, uh, of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing uh, was upon... Actually, that's not right. That's 33. I got it right here. Hold on. I must have not gotten that to Linda correctly. Uh, after this prayer, verse 4 of 31, chapter 31, is what it says. Let me read it to you. It says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook... And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen, this, let's make this real simple and real easy, okay? It's in your notes. Generosity is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing, okay? How do I prove this? It's real simple. Find me any child and bring them up here and have me give them something and say, oh, look, I, look, look, you know, Joey, whoever it is. I hand them a cupcake and I say, would you like this cupcake? And because the child is normal, the child says, yes, I would like the cupcake. And they begin to unwrap the cupcake. And then I do something absolutely horrendous as an adult. I say, can I have some of that cupcake? How's Joey going to respond? Do you think Joey is going to go, why, yes, dear friend. Of course, I would love to give you a cupcake. You gave it to me. 
Therefore, it would make perfect sense for me to share it with you. No, 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 no. Guess what Joey would do? First of all, he'd probably run. Second of all, as he's running, he's stuffing cupcake in his mouth and then going, I'm not all gone. Generosity is not a natural thing. We're not, listen, we're not good at this. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And here's the problem. Some of us want to be generous, but we forget that we're not naturally generous. we got to go to God and say, God, listen, I need you to change me. I need you to help me. I need you to take these things, these selfish in, um, ideas and thoughts that I typically have, and instead change me into something like you. Because Jesus was the best giver. God is the best giver. The Holy Spirit is the best giver. So listen, if you're saying, Aaron... I'm having a hard time with this, with this generosity thing. That's okay. It is natural to have a hard time. But let's go to God and let him do something inside of us because it is a supernatural thing. Number two, generosity is evidence of missional priority. Missional priority. Look at Acts 4.33. Let's see if it got flipped. Is it on there? There it is. This was the verse. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Why was it so easy for them to give? First, because of what God has been doing in them, but also because they understood how important the mission was. They understood how important the eternal consequences were. And they said, you know what? It's not about these other things. It's about making sure as many people hear who Jesus is and his love for them as possible. And you're going to see in the book of Acts, and we're not going to get there, folks, okay? We're just not. But I could give you verse after verse after verse after verse where the churches supported Paul on his missionary journeys. The reason why we have some of the letters and the books that he wrote was because people in Jerusalem and Antioch and other places supported him on his journeys. Yes, he worked. Yes, he did his part. But a lot of it, too, was, was the giving and the generosity. We have these books to these churches because they were sent out. Why? Because people understood how important the mission really was. Now listen, I, I'll be personal here for a second. I do this all the time. And maybe you do it too, where I'll walk and look in my closet or, or look in my, my bedroom and look at some things and, and the things that I have and I go, man, what a waste. What a waste. Why did I buy that? Why did I? I mean, I mean here's the thing, you know, it doesn't fit anymore. It, it, it did this or that or whatever it might be, whatever. And I just, what a waste. Listen, will you give to the mission? It's never a waste. Never a waste. Look, the greatest mission on earth is, is the greatest mission on earth because it has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. We need to understand that. So they understood those ideas and those consequences. Number three. Number three. Generosity is evidence of unity. It's, in it, it's unity. Look at Acts 4, 32a. First part of it. And all the believers were united in heart and mind. Listen, when everybody's rowing the same way, it's really easy to get an oar in the water and start paddling too. You know, in my own life, when I've had the hardest time with that is when I've honestly said, you know what, I don't like the way things are rowing. I think I'm going to row in a different direction. Listen, if you want to have the heart of generosity it usually means you also have, the, have to have the heart of unity. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And we see it's interesting that as they're giving, they're unified. They're unified. Number four, generosity is evidence of love. Evidence of love. Look at Acts 4, 34 and 35. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. What is that? It's love. It's love. Why is a heart so important here? Why does God care not about the amount or the money but the heart? Because it's an act of love, folks. 
when you give, listen, listen, and you go, well, you go, well, does that mean I love this church or I love the pastor or I love this or that? No, no. It starts with you saying, I love God. I love God. I am willing to give and be generous, not because I think everything's perfect, but because I love the one who is perfect. So many times we have that attitude. Well, this isn't right, or this isn't good, or this isn't the way I would like it to be. Listen, listen, you need to stop worrying so much about those things and instead get your heart to the place where it says, God, I love you, you are perfect, and I'm giving to you above all. Giving to you, it's evidence of love. Why? Because it's about obedience. It's about obedience. Love and obedience, again, go hand in hand. Listen, it's important that you see this. It's in your notes. Our wallets follow what we love. Our wallets follow what we love. It's just a principle in all areas of life. And here's the thing. And listen, I know this is, I'm going to say it to begin, but but I just, it's important you get this. This may sting a little bit, okay? This may be kind of ripping the band-aid off, whether slowly or quickly, whichever. But, but, but here's how this works, okay? Here's, here's what I mean when I say your wallet will follow what you love, okay? Let's say after service, I get in my car and I, I drive to a house. And in the house, or as I drive up to the house, there is a brand new, just, and nothing wrong with this, but just a brand new truck out in the driveway, I mean, just sharp, you know. I mean, maybe it's lifted or whatever. I mean, just beautiful. But, but I kind of look at the house, and the house is a little uh, kind of run down, and it doesn't look like it's been really taken care of, and, and, and the grass hasn't been mowed, and, and I just kind of, you know, whatever. So, so I knock on the door, and I walk in. And, and, and the husband comes and greets me at the door, and, and he says, oh, Aaron, it's nice to meet you. And I said, oh, it's nice to meet you, too. And he takes me, and he says, listen, listen, before you meet anybody, I want to show you something. And he takes me into his, his what we call the man cave. And he's got, you know, a, I don't even know how big they get anymore, 80, you know, inch, beautiful television, surround sound all over the place. You know, he's like, he's like, listen, you know, you can hear the explosion back behind you and all these sort of things. And he goes, oh, I got my refrigerator here and it's just stocked with all my favorite stuff and all, he just, oh, it's just beautiful and all these sort of things. And he says, okay, let me introduce you to the family. And so he pulls me out and there's his wife and his three kids and, and, and they kind of look kind of ragged and, and, and haggard and, and their clothes, you know, they're kind of, you know, they got to, don't really look, they're kind of old. You know what I mean? And then he looks at me and he says these words. He says, Aaron, man, I sure love my wife and kids. Man, they're the most important thing to me. Maybe I go to the main refrigerator and I open it up and there's not much to eat. Listen, this is where it may sting a little bit, but it's, we got to get this. Don't tell me you love God and don't tell me you love his church if you're not supporting them. Don't do it. Don't lie. You say, well, 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 look. Look. I haven't been perfect either. There's been times where I should have given and I held back where I disobey God. This is not easy. But listen, if this is evidence of love, and you say, yeah, I really do love Jesus, and I love his church, then this is an evidence of it. Okay? It's an evidence. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or bad or any of those things. Don't, I'm not going there. But this is what God's word tells us and shows us. And we need to understand that. It's an act and evidence of love. Number five, generosity is evidence of leadership and maturity. Look at Acts 4, 36 and 37. For instance, isn't this interesting? Now, this is great. For instance, this is kind of talking about those that have given. Okay, And this is right before we hear about Ananias and Sapphira. For instance, there was Joseph, the, uh, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. 
He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, you go, well, that's great. And, and, and you know, that's, that's fine. What, what do you mean? Maturity and leadership and all these things. This is the first time we hear about Barnabas, but it is definitely not the last. To go quickly to help you see this, in Acts 9, he is the first individual, this guy is the first individual to embrace Paul after his conversion. He's the first guy to basically put his arms around him and say, no, no, God has done something in his life. In Acts 11, he's sent to Antioch. He's one of the first pastors that goes out from Jerusalem to make a difference. In Acts 13, he goes on the first missionary journey with Paul. And you know where it starts? His first mention in scripture is how much he gave. His heart, his generosity. Listen, I have people that come to me all the time that really would say, oh, you know, I want to I do this, I want to do that. You know what? You know what? I, and I don't do this because it can be uncomfortable and it can be hard. But usually the first question ought to be, what's your giving life like? How much do you give? Excuse me, not how much you give, but do you give? What's your heart like when you give? It's interesting here, it's in your notes. Barnabas was always laying his stuff down in order to pick others up. I want to be like Barnabas. I want to be like him. Number six, last one, generosity is evidence of trust. Acts 4, 32, the second part. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to giving, generosity, all these things, there's got to be a very high level of trust. First and foremost in God, and that His promises are true. Okay? Because here's the deal. If, if you look at it and go, I don't believe God's promises are true, you will have a very hard time giving because of it, okay? And what I'm trying to do here is give you, if you are having a hard time, you know, if, 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 if you're doing good in this area and you feel like, you know, I'm doing well, then awesome, man, that's, keep going, thank you. You're doing great. But if, if we're not, how do we kind of judge that? And if you're having trouble with, with, with generosity and giving, it may be, a deeper issue and it may be the deeper issue is not just a heart which is a part of it but it's a trust issue I know in my own life and I'm just speaking for me this is where I struggle a lot it's hard sometimes to give because I don't always trust that God will meet my needs and that's so silly I know that but it's sometimes it is hard for me to do those things I feel better when when there's a bigger, maybe more money in the savings or more money in the bank account, whatever it might be. But the bottom line is this. As I trust more, listen, if I, as I trust more, I'm more able to give my, to give not more, not more, but to give with a cheerful heart, which is what God asks us to do. Okay? Because there's a big difference between what we see in Ananias and Sapphira and their heart, and what Paul writes about in Corinthians about a cheerful giver. And both of them have to do with the heart. And here's what's great about this. As your trust level grows, it doesn't just affect your heart in giving, it affects your heart in everything. And it's awesome. I don't want us to miss that. I want us to grow in that. And it's so important. To kind of bring this to a close, and I really think this is important that we talk about it. I know I've kind of hit on it before, but it's important that we talk about this to kind of bring it to a close. There are really two concepts when it comes to our money. There's really two concepts, and I'm going to go through these quickly. But I think it's important that we understand the difference between what the scriptures tell us and what our world tells us. There's two concepts. The first concept, our culture looks at money and sees the concept of ownership. Remember I told you we'd come back to ownership? Our culture says ownership. What that says is this. Ownership says it's mine and I can do with it what I want. It's mine and I can do with it as I want. That's the first concept. Ownership. However, 
as you can imagine, the Bible teaches something completely different. The Bible teaches us to look at money and see the concept of stewardship. So there's ownership and there's stewardship. Stewardship is this. It says it's God's and I will be held accountable for what I do with it. Okay? It's God's and I will be held accountable for what I do with it. Look at, and I could have picked out several verses. I just picked out one. Look at Psalms 89, 11. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. So now we got the heavens and the earth and just in case we haven't got it yet, everything in the world is yours. Speaking of God, you created it all. Stewardship teaches that. Stewardship says it's, all, it's, it's God's. It's God's. It's not yours. It's God's. You say, well, Aaron, but listen, my hard work and my abilities and my knowledge and my things, I earned that money. And I would say, okay, listen, how did you get the talents? Where did they come from? Where did you get the ability? Where did that come from? You say, well, I built this with my own two hands. Hey, where did your hands come from? It's all God's. It's all God's. Stewardship says it's not mine. Sometimes it's hard to give because there's times where I think it's mine when it isn't. It belongs to Him. And listen, the Bible gives us a very clear understanding of what that looks like. And listen, I... I've had people come to me and talk to me, and this is a good question. It's an honest question, and I, I welcome the question. We talk about the idea of tithes and offering. Tithes is a real simple concept. Tithes literally means 10%. And I've had people come to me and say, why, why does God get 10%? And, and the problem with that question is, is it's, it's a good question, but the problem is it starts with the wrong premise. It starts with the promise or the, the premise that, it, that we're starting from the idea of ownership, that it's mine and I'm giving it to God. Okay? And so, why does God get that? The better question, really, that we should ask ourselves is this Why do I get to keep 90% of what's God's? I mean, that takes the whole idea and flips it on its head. You say, Aaron, I don't know. Am I, am I living a life of ownership or am I living a life of stewardship? How, when you give and you look at those areas of generosity, how do you see it? Do you see it as, I have to give God 10%? Or do you look at it and go, wow, God lets me keep 90 of what's His? It's a different mindset. And it's something that as we look at it, it once again goes back to our hearts. Listen, would you do me a favor again, just so people can have some privacy in just a moment. Let's all bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let's just, let's just let the Holy Spirit kind of work in our hearts. But I want to start here. I know, and I know this not because I go look at the giving every week. I just, I just know because of just, I, I, I do see financial reports, okay? Nobody's name's on them, but I just know these things. I know so many of you are amazing givers. And I don't mean just... Just, just good givers, amazing givers. And I would be ridiculously silly and sad if I didn't first start and say thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Not to me. Listen, not to me, not to even Burnfield Assembly or, or missionaries or, or other things, whatever. Thank you for being obedient to God. Thank you for being a cheerful giver. And listen, I didn't, on purpose, listen, on purpose, I didn't sit there and tell you all the benefits that come from giving. And they're plentiful. Why? Because I wanted it to be a little bit different this morning. You see, Jesus gave himself knowing that a lot of people would reject him. He didn't give because of what he was getting back. He gave because that was his nature and because he willingly laid down his life and his divine privileges for you and me. 
If God was overly concerned about that, he never would have created man in the first place the way he did. So yes, and I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture where we see God say, test me in this. But I believe God wants our heart to be a giving heart that says, God, even if you give me no, nothing else, I'm giving because I'm in love with you. Because I want to be obedient to you. That's why. And I know there are people here, many of you, and I want you to walk out of here encouraged. I want you to feel, wow, wow. Not, you know, you know I, I know I'm not worth much, and I'm proud of you, but I know God's proud of you because he sees your heart. And we see over and over in Scripture where God looks at the heart. And so I want to encourage you, keep working, keep doing, keep giving. Keep giving extravagantly because of what Jesus has done for you. Not out of guilt and shame. That's nonsense. But out of a heart that is happy and joyful and giving and realizes how much God has given us. We sang this song this morning. You're so faithful, God. You're so faithful. One of the greatest lies the enemy tells you and me is that God isn't faithful. But I don't know about you, and I know there's been times where it's been hard in my life and hard in yours. But my whole life, he's been faithful. And I promise you, one day we're going to be in eternity, and we're going to even understand to what, how, what, what, what greater level his faithfulness to us was. So for those that are giving, thank you. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep looking at what God wants from you and from me. But I also now want to talk to those that maybe aren't giving. Or maybe, maybe it's not the way it should be. Maybe it's, it's here or there. It's a sporadic thing. Listen, I'm not going to condemn you because God doesn't condemn you. What I am going to say is this. God's word is very clear about what he's called us to be as his followers. If you love Jesus, then you'll be a giver. And you say, well, Aaron, I, I'm not, but I, I love, listen, listen. There's been times in my life where I haven't gifted either. And what I needed someone to do was lovingly and kindly point me to God's word so that I could make changes in my life. So that I could grow in my love and in my obedience of Jesus. And that's all of us. We all need to do that. But listen, I... I don't have a list up here. I don't say, well, here's, here's who's this and here's who's this. Nope, not doing it. Never would. Never, never have the desire to. You know. You know what you do and what you don't do. You know why you do it and why you don't do it. That's not between me and you. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't lie to Peter. And, and here's the deal. You can fool me. I'm not that smart. You can fool me. But you cannot fool God. And I don't say that to make you feel scared or any. That's nope. I sue it because it's just the truth. God knows. And He wants to take us from wherever we are in our level of giving, generosity, our time, our treasures, our talents. And He wants to bring us to a new place. Why? Why? Not because God needs our money, but because God desperately desires to change our hearts. Listen, this is not about what's in your purse or what's in your wallet. It's about what's in your heart. And Jesus desperately wants to change you and make you more like Jesus. If you want to be more like him, his heart was one of giving. His heart was one of generosity in all areas of his life. I want to be like Jesus, not just in what I want to be like Jesus like. I want to be like him in all aspects of my life. So Father, we come to you right now. And Father, you know, you know. And, 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 and Jesus, as, we, as I studied this and 
you know, you, you dealt pretty harshly with, with, with this other situation. And, and I, I'll just say this, God, if it, was, if it was like it was then, I wouldn't be standing here. You would have taken me out a long time ago. So, God, you are obviously very merciful to us in this area. You desperately desire to change us to be more like your son. And so, Jesus, for all of us, whether we're, we're, we're doing this well or whether we need to do a little bit better, Father, I pray that not, not that there would be more money, but that there would be life change in our hearts for every individual that's here, every individual that's online. Change us, Jesus. Change us. Make us more like you. And Father, I know that when we start talking about money, it's so easy to let our heart take us to a harsh, bitter place. There's a lot of people and a lot of individuals and a lot of churches that have done some very bad, inappropriate, wrong things. And Father, they will answer to you for that. But God, it doesn't change what you've asked us to do. And so Jesus, I pray that we would not look at giving of anything as something given to a person or a church or an institution, that we would look at it as giving directly to you because that's how you see it. Help us. Help us, God. You're so good and you are so faithful. Change our hearts and make them more like yours, especially in this area. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, next week will be more fun. No, <laughs> I'm teasing. It is hard. I get it. It is hard. But you know what? It's good. It's good. It's good to be just like Jesus in this area as well. And again, Please hear me. I know so many of you do such an amazing job. Thank you. But if we want to be the church and the ecclesia that God has called us to be, we all have to join. We all have to get busy and be a part of what God wants to do. Not just in this area, but in a lot of areas, okay? Father, we do love you. We thank you. As we head out, God, I pray that you would just be with us. Father, thank you for each one that's here, those that are online. Be with us this week. Father, use us in a powerful way to be a light in a dark place. You're so good, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, we love you. We hope you're doing well. And again, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. If you need anything, please know you're not alone. We understand that, that, that you know, if you need prayer, if you need help, whatever it is, you are a part of our family, even though you're online, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're here for you. For everybody else, obviously, the same goes for you. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.